Let me pray for us as we prepare our hearts to hear from the word uh, and to respond. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us a written word that we can, we have testimony of your faithfulness in the past and your promises to us. Uh, but thank you for also sending the living word, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, the word who is also the bread of heaven, who feeds our souls, the light of the world who gives us direction and, and, and shows us the way to the Father. And thank you today for the door, the, the one who is the way to uh, fellowship with, with you. So Father, we, we pray today that you would help us to see Jesus and savor Jesus and treasure Jesus and as I preach today, uh, help me to be a faithful shepherd to point the sheep to the door, um, to show them the way to Christ. Father, lift up our eyes and let us take great joy in you, our King. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 10, we are in the middle of a series on the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. And the third one that we see today is Jesus' statement, I am the door. Uh, this passage in John chapter 10 is really about two things, two I am statements. I am the door and I am the shepherd. And I'm going to do my best not to preach the shepherd part uh, because Emmett would not be very happy with me because he's going to be preaching the shepherd uh, next week. So the, there is a lot to say here about Jesus being the door and there's a lot about being the shepherd as well. And so uh, Let's read this passage. Uh, I'm going to read just the first 10 verses because that's where I'm going to stop and I'm going to focus on today. Um, but I would encourage you even later on for you to look at the rest of this passage with your radical life groups or with your families and think deeply about what it means that Jesus is our door and our shepherd. So here we go. John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold... By the door, but rather climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God for it. 
John Calvin said this about this passage in John chapter 10. He said, no plague is more destructive to the church than when wolves ravage under the disguise of shepherds. No plague more destructive to the church than when wolves ravage the sheep under the disguise of shepherds. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. And before we go any further, what I want to do this morning with this passage might be a little different. I want to to go through this passage and show you how I experienced it myself this week as I was asking the text questions. I want to teach you this morning how to read the Bible and how to ask questions questions okay and so as we read this we get to John chapter 10 verse 1 and Jesus begins and says truly truly I say to you that means that before we even read the next portion of scripture we got to figure out why he's saying truly truly he says truly truly because what just happened in John chapter 9 is leading Jesus to say what he says in John chapter 10 So the questions that come up as we read this passage, Jesus is going to make statements like, I am the door. Why does Jesus say, I am the door? And why does he later talk about his role as a shepherd? What brought that about? And in order for us to understand that, we need to understand what happened in John chapter 9. So when Jesus says, truly, truly, he's he's referencing something that's just happened. So what just happened? If you look at John chapter 9, in the previous chapter, Jesus has miraculously healed a blind man. Really long story about how Jesus heals this man who had been born blind. And when the man goes back to the temple to show himself to the Pharisees and to show himself to the priests, this is what they would do to be uh, declared ritually clean. You see, this man was not allowed to go into the temple as a blind man. He was considered unclean. He was considered to be sinful. This is why the disciples ask, Jesus, what did this man do? What caused this man's blindness? Was it because he sinned or because his parents sinned? And Jesus says, the reason this man is born blind is to show the glory of God. So they, so Jesus heals this man. And here's what you see in John chapter 9. The man born blind increasingly receives his sight so that by the end of John chapter 9 he can see who Jesus truly is and he believes and then you have the Pharisees who become increasingly more blind that's the irony here right you have a blind man who increasingly is able to see more and more of Jesus and then you have the the Pharisees who claim to be able to see and become more and more blind so they bring this man to the Pharisees and the Pharisees cannot believe that someone healed this man They cannot believe that a man born blind would be healed. And so they give him this big, long interrogation. Right? They turn the lights out. They put the spotlight in his eye. And they're like, where were you? And how did this happen? And tell us, us how were you healed? And so he just tells the story. He testifies, right? Long before John Newton wrote his little song, this guy says the words, I was blind, but now I see. That's my testimony. I was blind, but now I see. I was walking in darkness, but now I saw the light. And they said, well, how did this man heal you? And so he tells the story over and over again. Three different times they asked this man. In fact, they don't believe him, so they had to bring in his parents to confirm that this man was actually blind. And so the point of this chapter is summed up in chapter 9, verse 39. Jesus says, for judgment I came into this world... 
that those who do not see may see. And those who do see become blind. The point of this, of course, is that it is the Pharisees who are actually blind to Jesus, even though they are considered to be the teachers and the spiritual leaders and the shepherds of Israel. While the man who was born blind is the one who truly sees the glory of Jesus. And you can see this increasing. If you, if you read through John chapter 9, the first time Jesus is a man. The second time the blind man calls him a prophet. And then finally he says, I believe that you're the son of God. His understanding increases. And Jesus says, this is why I came into the world. To bring judgment. So that the people who are blind will see me. And that the people who say that they can see, they really can't see. And I will blind them even further. And the worst part of this story in John chapter 9 is that when the blind man claims that Jesus is the Son of God, and they tell, he actually tells the Pharisees, you guys, you got to believe in him. Surely you would see that this is truly the Son of God. They say, sir, you were born in utter sin, and yet you're going to teach us? Mr. Blind Man, don't you see our seminary degrees on the wall? Don't you see? We graduated from the school of Phariseeism. We've memorized the law. We, we, have, we got our diploma in this. We, we, got it, we got a PhD in the law. We know about Moses. We know about Elijah. You've just been born blind, and yet you're going to teach us? And they kick him out of the temple. A man healed from blindness comes into the temple and the Pharisees slam the door in his face. And they say, you are not welcome here. You are not godly enough. You don't belong here. So instead of being a place where people are welcome and come to meet God, the temple has now become a place where the shepherds are slamming the door in the face of the sheep. Is it possible that the church would get in people's way of meeting Jesus? Is it possible for Christians to get in the way of other people meeting Jesus? I had a, had a pastor friend tell me this week in this community in Rome that his church criticized him for ministering with an ethnic minority group in their community. And he was told that they should not be working with those people. And so you can't help but ask, how can the world meet Jesus in the church if Christians keep slamming the door in people's face when the world tries to come in? You see, apparently this wasn't the first time that these Pharisees had kicked people out of the church. This is why Jesus had to rebuke them in Matthew chapter 23. You get a bunch of woes. Woe to you, Pharisees and scribes. Let me just remind you of some things that Jesus said about these, quote, shepherds of Israel. Matthew 23 and verse 1. Jesus said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and obey what they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. Verse 4, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move one little 
finger. Verse 5, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the the best seats at the parties. They love the, the places of honor at the feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. But hear this one in verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves, nor do you allow others who would enter to go in. They are accused of slamming the door of the church in people's faces. Not allowing people to come in. And so Jesus is speaking to a group of people who have literally shut the door of heaven in people's faces and said, you are not welcome here. You are not good enough to come in. And just as they're about to slam the door, just before the door clicks shut, Jesus steps in and sticks his foot in the temple door and says, wait just a minute. This is not your door to shut. Who made you the gatekeepers to God? Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. You have no authority to shut this door because I am the door. You are not a true shepherd of God's people because you're kicking them out. I am the true shepherd. I am the door. And he who does not enter by the door but climbs in by another way, he's not a shepherd at all. He is a thief. And a robber. That's what Jesus says there in chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Now, if you're not used to uh, first century shepherding language, the sheepfold was a courtyard that would sit beside the house. And it would be bordered by a stone wall. And so one family or several families would keep their sheep in there and there would be an entrance. There would be a door. And sometimes the shepherd or another person would be the gatekeeper. And so as we're reading this, here's the question that I was asking myself on Monday as I looked at this passage. I was reading John chapter 10 and here's my thought process. All right, I want you to read this with me. All right, Truly, truly, I say to you, okay, we've got to go back and deal with the blind man and everything. But now... He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door. Okay, so now I'm thinking there's a door that gets to the sheepfold. The sheepfold is the people of God, right? God's people, his flock. So there's a door. But then it says that there are people who climb in by another way. Another way. So now two questions that are coming up into my mind is, what does it mean to go through the door? That's one way. To get into the people of God. But then there's another way. And this other way. The people who go in this way. Are considered a thief. And a robber. So here's the question I asked. One question I asked. What is the difference between a thief. And a robber. You ever thought about that? To me they're the same thing right. They're both stealing stuff. Thieves and robbers. Why would Jesus use two words to talk about the same thing if they don't mean the same thing? What is the difference between a thief and a robber? I got to thinking about it. All right, imagine, all right, if I'm in a store, if I'm in a convenience store, and, and someone comes in and is a thief, how do they commit the crime? Secretly, right? A thief is someone who's not trying to get caught. Thieves are deceptive. 
Robbers are destructive. Robbers come in point blank. They'll point a gun to your face and say, give me all your money. The thief is back there away from the camera trying to take stuff without getting caught. And the robber is the one who does it by force. Right? And so now you have these people. They're not just thieves, but they're also robbers. They're both. They're both deceptive and they are destructive. And so they're coming in by another way. So there's two ways to get in. There's a, another way, but then there's the door. Verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. This passage verses 1 to 10, is really not about the shepherd. It's really about us as sheep. It's a warning for sheep about who to look out for, who is your shepherd. Do you know the voice of your shepherd? And so Jesus says there's a true shepherd. The shepherd of the sheep is the one who goes in by the door. The other one who comes in by another way is a thief and a robber. So now Jesus is using metaphors. He's using metaphorical language, figures of speech to make a point. Now we've got to figure out what is the point here. Jesus later is going to say that he is the door. And so the true shepherds are the ones who bring people, bring their sheep into the sheepfold through that door. That is through Jesus. Okay. So now, this is not just a... When, when Jesus talks about shepherds here, he's not just talking about himself. He is the good shepherd. He's going to say that later on. But now he's talking to some other shepherds. I think he's talking to pastors. Leaders of God's people. And this is a warning for the sheep, all right? How do you know if your shepherd is a good shepherd? Three Rivers, how do you know if, if I'm not just here to deceive you? How do you know if, if we as your pastors are not leading you astray? How do you know that we're not coming in by another way? What is this other way? What does it mean to go through the door? It means that a true shepherd is going to lead their sheep to God through Jesus. There's no other way to the Father except through Him. So true shepherds are the ones who will lead their sheep to Christ alone. The true people of God are the ones who hear and obey the words of Jesus. Look at verse 3. To Him, that is to the true shepherd, the gatekeeper opens... The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. This implies that shepherds are going to know their sheep. This implies that shepherds, when they speak, the sheep will be able to determine what is the voice of the true shepherd and what is the voice of false teaching. So notice that coming in by another way and going through the door, it has something to do with the shepherd's voice. Verse 3 says that they hear his voice. So there's something to do here with going through that door or going in by another way has something to do with how the shepherd uses his voice. Verse 4, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Calvin says that the main point of all spiritual doctrine on which souls are fed consists in Christ. This is a comparison and contrast between false prophets and faithful teachers. What Jesus is saying is that if you are of the true sheep, you are going to hear the voice of your shepherd. And that implies not just big Jesus shepherd, but under shepherds. 
I don't know if you know this or not, but I am not CEO, chief shepherd, uh, senior pastor of this church. I know there's churches that have that model, and there's guys that say I'm the senior pastor. There's only one senior pastor of Three Rivers Church. His name is not Josh Pilgrim. His name is not Emmett Long. It is not anyone else in here. The only chief shepherd of this church is Jesus. He's CEO. He's senior pastor. He's big chief shepherd, right? And so any other person who calls themselves shepherd it is merely a, a something that Jesus gives us a subordinate title where I am submissive to Jesus and so anything that I say in this church needs to be the words of Jesus and anywhere that I point you needs to be pointing you to Jesus so if anyone other than me if anyone anybody stands up here and preaches and does not point you to the door but tries to get you to come into the sheepfold by another way they are not true shepherds and the way you'll know it is by with your ears the ears of your heart you will you be able to determine what is the truth and what is error what is truth of scripture and what is false doctrine can you tell the difference Jesus says that the true sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and so part of what this means for us as the sheep is to have ears of discernment to be able to know the difference between a false shepherd and a true shepherd the truth is, is that there's a lot of wrong doors. I had to ask myself the question, what is this other way? How do these, how do these false shepherds come in to steal and kill and destroy? See, there's a lot of wrong doors. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, remember? Verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. And for the gate is wide and the way, the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Many are going to enter by another way. And that is not the true way. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. What does it mean to go in by another way? There is only one way into the sheepfold. There is only one way to be a part of the people of God. And it is to go through the door of Jesus. It is to believe in His doctrine. To believe in His teaching. It is to follow Him in His ways. It is to trust Him in His sacrifice. It is to, to put your faith and trust in Him and Him alone as the only way to the Father. But there's a lot of people trying to go other ways. I'll give you a few examples. There are churches without convictions, without doctrines, without denomination, who simply hope to avoid doctrine and confessions which turn people off. You can see this on their church websites when you try to figure out what they believe and they believe nothing. The reason they believe nothing is because when you say you believe something, you're going to turn away people who don't believe what you believe, right? And so there's no faith statement. And so in, in, in order to avoid that, let's not have any distinctions. Let's not try to go through the door. Let's just go broad, right? Let's not be consistent or be specific about what we believe. There are flooded stadiums where preachers will blather along with itching ears to tickle the ears of people who just want to hear what they want to hear. They're trying to go in by another way. They're not going to preach the gospel. They're not preaching Jesus. They're preaching prosperity. They're preaching uh, wealth and health. They're preaching all of this good stuff, but they're not preaching it through Jesus. There are churches that have worship services and sermons that avoid the confession of sin. They avoid the announcement of Jesus' death on the cross as the foundation of forgiveness. This is why every week we have communion to remind us that there's one door, there's one table, there's one shepherd, and he laid down his life for the sheep, and there's only one way to be right with God the Father, and it's through 
the door and through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Cults have been formed by false prophets who have rewritten the Bible to make it say what they want it to say. There are straying souls in Christian congregations. Other sheep who are straying away like Adam. They're running from God in guilt. They are afraid to have a relationship with God because of their sin. There are hypocrites who sit in sanctuaries every Sunday morning just to go through the motions to give the outward appearance of righteousness. There is the voice of the atheist who openly mocks the idea of a God and they would attempt to find peace in their own imaginations. I will not go to God your way. I will find my own way and don't you dare say that Jesus is the way. You can go to a lot of college campuses and you can say uh, that I'm seeking the way to God and they will applaud you. And they will throw you out the moment that you say I'm looking for the way to God and I found it. The moment you make that declarative statement that I have found the way, the truth, and the life, they will, they will no longer listen to you. But as long as you're open, and as long as you're willing to talk about your journey and your search for truth, they will applaud you. But don't you dare say you found him. They will not hear it. There are many ways. A lot of people trying to get in another way. The Pharisees are an example here. There are those in their own sinful opinion about law and grace who think that they can add something to the work of Christ or they think that by your, their morality or their righteousness, by me being good and my phylacteries, look at how I look and I pray out loud on the street corner so people will hear me and I pray big long prayers so people will be impressed with me and they put on this display of morality and self-righteousness and Jesus says, that's another way. You're not coming through the door. You're coming in another way. And we are tempted in all of those ways to try to find some other way to be right with the Father. Those who were led astray by false prophets did not belong to the true church of God. Look at what verse 5 says. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. My sheep know my voice. And I call them out by name and they follow me. But a stranger, they will not follow. Do you have ears to hear the voice of your shepherd? Do you know the voice of Jesus? Do you know the difference between truth and false teaching? Let's keep reading here. Verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used with them. But remember, they're blind, right? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. The Pharisees don't get it. They're blind. Verse 7, So Jesus is going to make it plain now. Verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. Let's stop right there. There is a difference between knowing the voice of your shepherd and knowing the voice of a false teacher. This is a warning for us as the church to have ears of discernment and not to believe every single voice that you hear out there. And believe me, there are some that are very deceptive. Jesus says that there were those who came before me who were thieves and robbers. They were deceptive. They were deceptive like thieves and they were destructive like robbers. False messiahs, wicked prophets, 
selfish shepherds, prosperity gospel preachers, legalistic preachers who just preach be good and God will love you more. All of them were wrong. And so John writes later in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so know many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. Now hear this next verse. He's talking about sheep. 1 John 2 verse 19. They, the sum of the sheep, went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. One of the ways you can tell if you're a true sheep is that if you continue to follow the true shepherd. One of the ways you know someone's not a true sheep is that they follow the voice of false teachers. I want you to look further down. We're going to skip some of this. I'm going to save some for Emmett next week. But there's part here I want to point out here. Look at John chapter 10, verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name witness about me. Here it is, verse 26. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Now I want you to hear what this verse is not saying. Jesus does not say that the reason you're not part of my flock is because you don't believe. He says, no, this goes way beyond you. Long before you ever knew me, I knew you. He says, the reason you don't believe is because you're not first part of my flock. Don't confuse the order. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is good news for us. Now, I just got to point this out because this is so good. And Emmett, if you were going to say this, I'm sorry. Here we go. Verse 28. This is, this is really about us as sheep. This has nothing to do with the shepherd. This is about our security as sheep. Notice what Jesus says in verse 28. All right, I give them eternal life. That's Jesus speaking. And they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's Jesus. Verse 29. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of whose hand? The Father's hand. Now, I thought we were in Jesus' hand. But now Jesus says we're in the Father's hand. How can you both be in Jesus' hand and the Father's hand? And the reason is, is because the Father and the Son are one in union. They are one in purpose. So that when the Father gives them to the Son, the Son takes them and says, I will die for them and will be raised for them, and I will not lose any of them. Your security is double-fold. I don't even know if that's a word or not, but you got the Father holding on to you, and you got the Son holding on to you, and you got the Spirit working in you, and you will never perish because I and the Father are one, Jesus says. Now let's go back to our text. Jesus has warned us against antichrists. So let me give you some, some just good application from, from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians 2 verse 8. 
three rivers, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. If you're going to be taken captive, be taken captive according to the teachings of Christ. Don't be taken captive to the empty philosophies of this world. Jesus says there in verse 8, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now here's something else. I was reading this and I said, huh. We go in and out to find pasture. First question I asked is, what does it mean to find pasture? I know this is a figure of speech. We're we're not really sheep. And we can act like them sometimes, but we're not really sheep. We don't really eat grass. So what does that mean for us to find pasture? If we looked at Psalm 23, we would see that pasture is actually provision, right? And protection. It's God providing for His people. When when a shepherd leads his people by still waters, when he leads them to green pastures, it's protection. The sheep can eat without having to lift up their eyes to look for wolves. You're going to find pasture. You're going to find protection. I'm your shepherd. I'll provide for you. The sheep have everything they need in the pasture. But notice... Notice where the sheep go to get pasture. Did you see it? In and out. We don't just preach a gospel of salvation here. A gospel of salvation is is a sermon that I heard even this past week that was all about going to heaven. It's not just about going to heaven for us, right? Yes, I'm going to heaven and I'm glad and I can't wait to be there. But that is not the end, right? A lot of times we only preach a gospel of salvation that says you got to go in, in, just get in, in, in. And if I can just get in and get to heaven, then we just, what are we going to do the next 50 years of our life? Sit around and wait for heaven? No, we preach a gospel of the kingdom, right? So you are saved for a purpose. And these sheep are not just going in the sheepfold to get pasture, but then they're also going out to get pasture. This is the language that we use at this church. We go up, in, and out. We go up with our shepherd as sheep. We have communion with God. We meet with him to have communion with him. He knows our name, and we know his voice. And we listen to him, and we follow him, and we are in communion with him. And then by being in communion with him and hearing his voice we go in we go in and we find pasture in community with each other we're here with all the other sheep right we're grazing on the word we're feeding on scripture we love the word and we're in community with other sheep but then it, it does not stop there because we go up with our shepherd in with the sheep and then we go out to the world to make the gospel known to others we want others to hear because Jesus is going to say in John chapter 10 I have other sheep from another sheepfold, and I've got to bring them in as well. How's he going to bring them in? He's going to send his sheep out. That's how he does it. He sends the sheep out, and so it's up, in, and out. We are in communion with God. We come into the pasture, and we commune with each other in fellowship, but then we prepare and equip ourselves to go out, right? To go out, and here's the good news. The pasture is not just in, the pasture is also out. You can find God's blessing and his provisions and everything he supplied for you as your shepherd in the church and out in the world. 
It is all there for you. He will supply your needs. He will equip you for service. He'll give you everything that you need because He is your shepherd. He gives you goodness and mercy. They will follow you all the days of your life. God's guard dogs that will guard you from behind and you have the shepherd leading you. Christ in front of me. Christ behind me. Christ above me. Christ below me. Christ in me. Christ through me. He is is everywhere for me. He he brings me in and out to find pasture. Jesus finishes here in verse 10. A verse that is probably one of the most misquoted verses in the entire Bible. So I want to teach you a little bit this morning. You ever heard this verse? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Who do we usually mean when we quote that verse? That the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? The devil, right? That's, that verse is always attributed to the devil. But when you read this, ver- this chapter... Jesus is not talking about the devil. Now, he's certainly talking about the works of the devil, but the thief in John 10.10 is not the devil. Who is it? It is all of these false shepherds, all of these false teachers, all of these false prophets who were trying to gain your attention to follow them instead of following the true shepherd. And so what does Jesus do? The thief comes to do what? To steal. He steals like the thief and he comes to kill and destroy like the robber. He's a thief and a robber. He doesn't just want to take your stuff. He wants to ruin your life. And this is why false teachers prey on the weak. They'll take advantage of you and they want your stuff and they'll destroy your life. And yet, what do we find here? In John chapter 10, verse 10, we get good gospel truth. Jesus says, but I have come that my sheep might have life and have life abundantly. This is abundant life. You see, Jesus abandoned his life so that we might have abundant life. This is life to the full. This is life uh, that, that knows the blessings of Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, the sheep died for the shepherd. But in the New Testament, it is the shepherd who dies for his sheep. When Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden a long time ago, because of their sin and rebellion, God had to slam the door shut. He said, you can't come in. And what did he put at the entranceway of that garden? He put two cherubim. Not the little fat babies that play harps. I'm talking about fearsome warrior angels with swords of light. Right? These angels, you're not getting past. These are vicious, holy creatures. You cannot come back in because of your sin. And so the Jewish people understood for a long time that you can't go into the presence of God because those cherubim are still there. And they even wove this into the fabric of their worship, literally into the fabric of their worship. When they constructed the tabernacle and they constructed the temple, they had a holy place, the holy of holies, and to separate God's presence from the rest of the people, they put a curtain. They put a big veil there. And in that veil, to remind them of Adam and Eve's rebellion and sin in the garden, they wove into the tapestry of that veil two cherubim. 
So that every time Jewish people would come to worship, they would remember, we are still separated. Those angels still separate us from the presence of God. There's no way to get in, and if God were to get out, He would crush us. We cannot go in. God has shut the door. Until later, Jesus comes. And He says, now the door has been opened, because I am the door. This is probably what the disciples wondered when they came uh, and they were in that upper room and they were afraid because they thought Jesus had been crucified and that was the final answer. But it wasn't the final answer because Jesus was raised from the dead and he appears to his disciples in a locked room. And you just know Doubt and Thomas was wondering, Jesus, how'd you get in here? We locked the door. And Jesus says, you don't need a door when you are the door, right? Jesus is the door. And so Jesus was crucified. And when he was crucified, the light of the world became dark, and the world was dark for a few hours. And dead people started to come out of the graves. But something happened in that temple that was a declaration that the door has been opened. The door is open because the temple veil was ripped from top to bottom. God was the one ripping this temple, saying the cherubim are no longer guarding the Garden of Eden. You can come in freely now because Christ is the door. This is why Jesus, or the writer of Hebrews says about Jesus in Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence now to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus and by the new and living way, he has opened us through the curtain. Not a curtain made of fabric and cotton and polyester, but the curtain of his flesh. His flesh was opened up and broken for us so that we might have access to God. This is what God has done for us. He has opened the door. God is the entryway. Jesus is the entrance into the people of God. He said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the door. He is the entryway into God's blessing. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20 says, All of the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. Every promise of God, every blessing has been opened up to you through the door of Jesus. He is your door. He is your access to God's throne. This is why Paul said in Ephesians 2, For through Him we have access in one spirit to the Father. So you are no longer strangers and aliens. You're sheep, your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God which is built on the foundation of the cornerstone of Christ. He is your door. He is the gateway to glory. If you want to see the Father, you must go through the door of Christ. This is why the psalmist and David would write these words in Psalm 24. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? It is he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, who does not swear deceitfully. The problem is, is that those ancient doors have been shut for a long time because there is no one here at Three Rivers who has clean hands and a pure heart. There's nobody in Rome, Georgia who has clean hands and a pure heart. There's no one who can go up to those ancient doors and have them open. No one has clean hands and a pure heart. No one can receive the righteousness of God and the blessings of God because the ancient doors have been locked and nobody has the key. Nobody has clean hands and a pure heart. Until all of a sudden in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, a carpenter from 
from Nazareth comes, the Word becomes flesh, and the shepherd of God's people leads his sheep in a procession to the ancient doors and says, lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. And a voice comes from within the city, the holy city, and says, who is this King of glory that the King may come in? Who is this King of glory? And the shepherd of the sheep, who is our king, lifts up his voice and says, It is I, the Lord, mighty in battle. The Lord, strong and mighty. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And who is this king of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Jesus is our door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we go to the Father through him. And so church, here's what we do this morning morning. We are going to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We are going to enter into his courts with praise. We worship as his sheep. We trust in him as our shepherd. We love him and we go through the door of Christ and we follow him and we hear his voice and we listen to him and we we give him worship we lift up our voices I know we sound like sheep and we don't sing good but we're going to sing loud because we're sheep and he's our shepherd and we love him and so let's tune our hearts now and prepare sheep get your hearts ready we're going to sing to the king if you have heard his voice if you've been awakened this morning we're going to stand and we're going to worship father in Jesus name we declare that Jesus is the door He is the gateway. He is the entrance to relationship with the Father. Father, we want to hear your voice. We have heard your voice through your word. Teach us your truth. Plant your truth deep in us. And Father, would you call out your sheep? If there's someone even in this room who's never heard your voice, let them hear it for the first time today. Let them hear the voice of their shepherd and call them out and bring them into everlasting life. Father, take your sheep out into the world. You have other sheep of another sheepfold. There are still others who need to be brought in. Give us boldness to proclaim the gospel, to be your salt, your light. Father, as we enter through the door of Christ, we have access and boldness to your throne today and we give you praise. We enter into your courts. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. The gates that you have opened up through Christ, we have access to you today. Let us worship now in spirit and in truth.